world's on fire, our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. <laughs> pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass the salt. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Good morning, good morning. Sorry, I'm, I'm constantly clearing my throat. I realize that. I'm doing that a lot. And I'm sure you guys notice it. It's probably irritating to you, but it is what it is. What it is. <clears throat> clear my throat, clear my throat. <clears throat> Welcome this morning. And uh, this sounds really self-serving. I'm telling you, I, that, uh, that show yesterday may be the most profound show I've ever done. I, I went back and listened to that thing. That, that was my, 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 my. And I would encourage all of you to, to try to share it with others. That sounds like self-promotion. That's not what I'm talking about. The, the truth that was in that show yesterday, I want to talk a little bit about it later on as we move, as we move through this today. Rather than just brush it off, uh, go back and revisit some of the things that we spoke about yesterday. Uh, you know, but folks, the scriptures are so, God, they're so deep. They're so deep. I, I, my Bible's open. I'm, go, I'm going to show you something right now. My Bible's open right now. And I'm just going to, I'm looking right now, it's open to uh, uh, Ephesians 1 and 2 is open in my King James Bible here. You don't have to pull it up. I'm just going to look down on, at my Bible, and I'm going to read something to you, okay? I'm, I don't know what it's going to be. I'm looking down. I'm going to read verse 30, 21. Ephesians, you don't have to put it up there. Ephesians 1, 21. It says, far above all principality and power. What does that mean? What does it mean to be... Above all principalities and powers. What does, that, what does that mean? Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Far above. Not just a little bit over, but far above. Far above all principalities and power and might and dominion. What? Wait a minute. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world. You mean... There's another world, not only in this world, but in a, in a world to come? What? Huh? And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things of the church, which is his body. What, the church is his body? I thought the church was his bride. What? And hath put all things under his feet, which gave him to be the head over all things, the church, which is his body. What, his head is his body or the church is his body? No, which is his body, which is the fullness of him that filleth all in all. That's how I read the Bible. And the more I read it, the more questions I have. Far above all principality. What, what, what principalities? And power, you mean powers? Far, you mean there are other powers? There are, there are other principalities, there are other powers? Pull that up, Ephesians 1. Are you there? I'm just following the Holy Spirit here. Ephesians 1, verse 20 through 23. 
much Herod. Well, see, this is when you read the Bible, friends. You you can't just start somewhere. It's like uh, we're doing this show. Uh, by the way, these guys were making clips of of they, what, what were those clips you make guys were making for me that you put up there? Uh, they're called uh, something reels, reels, and it would just be a segment of of something I would say. And they were really, really, they were really good and they're really edgy and powerful. But the problem is, if you didn't know what I'd said before, it didn't make sense. If you didn't know what I'd said before, it didn't make sense. Or it would, but not, not as not as in-depth as it could be. So when I see you just can't pick up a scripture and say, well, see, here's what the Bible says. Dude, stop a minute. What did it say before that? And what did it say after that? Don't just just don't. Hey, don't misquote it. And we have a tendency to do that when we pull scriptures out of context. Let's go go up a little bit. Because, see, this is fascinating. You, but, hey, friends, you want to learn? <laughs> Read the Bible backwards. And then the questions will arise. So let's do that here a second. Scroll down. I'm sorry, I keep jumping around. It's against the Holy Spirit. Scroll down. I'll go clear to the bottom. Go clear to the bottom. Let's read it backwards. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. What is? What's his body? Well, he's put all things under his feet and gave him to the head over all the things to the church. Oh, so the church is his body. I thought the church was his pride. And uh, put all things, what things he put under his feet? Well, it's far above all principalities and powers and mights and dominions and every name that's named. Only not in this world, but also in that which is, oh, okay. How do you do that? Well, he brought it in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand. Do you understand? Do you understand, the, you understand how it flows? You can't just pull something out of context and apply it everywhere you go. What's verse 18 say? The eyes of your understanding be enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. You guys know what the hope of his calling is? Do you guys know what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is to them and to the saints? Do you have any idea what it is? And whatever the exceeding greatness, power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Do you have any idea what that is? No. Hell no. We don't know what that is. It's just something we read. It's just something they put in there and read. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory. See, why, why would they, how does it written like that? that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, and then they just insert the Father of glory. They just insert something in there, right? But it's not just an insertion in there. There's something in there that's it's important. He's the Father of glory. He's not just the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Father of glory. Because he's the God of Father of glory, he's going to give unto you the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation and the knowledge of him, of who? The Father of glory, that our Lord Jesus. See, see how it works? See how it works. If we if we would just spend time doing this, the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, and you will know the hope of his calling, which is the glory of his inheritance and the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his powers to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above. Ain't nobody above him. Ain't nobody above that name of Jesus. Not nobody, no principality, no power, no might, no dominion. Every name that is named, not only in this world, but in the one to come. And he put everything under his feet. Amen. And then, then he said, what? I'm giving all the power to you. Who? You, my church. 
Amen. We want to we we marry her. See, we want the church to be a woman. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got goosebumps. We want the church to be a woman. When the Bible says here, we are his body. Doesn't it say that? And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body. Boom. Hey, guys, somebody's lying here. Because I'm going to tell you this. I, I'm, t- I'm tired of this baloney. He says, well, coach, it's written in a mystery. It's written in a mystery. I said, how can, we go, how can we go from being the body of Christ to the bride of Christ? How does that work? That's trans-Christian. If you want to know, is Jesus trans-Christian? That all of a sudden he goes from being the body to the bride? What? How, come on. They say, well, coach, it's a mystery. Well, one of these is right and one of these ain't wrong. He ain't both the body and the bride. He ain't both. I'm sorry. Wow, I don't know where that came from. But I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. Far above all principality. It ain't, it ain't even close, dudes. It ain't even close. It's like my little grandson, David, playing football at six years old and then playing against Tom Brady. It ain't even close. It ain't, it ain't, ain't no comparison between David and Tom Brady. Because why? Tom Brady's far above the bitty leagues and the high school leagues and the colleges and the semi-pros. Tom Brady's far above all that stuff. You get it? You get it? And we're, we sit here, the Christian church teaches that the devil has authority. What does this mean? What does this mean? Far above the devil. And any power that the devil has. And any might that he has. And any dominion that the devil might have. And at every name that's named, not only in this world, but in some world that's coming, he is preeminent and all-powerful and has dominion over the whole thing. And the church teaches us the devil's in control. Amen. I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your theology. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm just reading the word and telling you what I read when I read it. Man, oh man, oh man. God, I got a lot to talk about. Go ahead, Myra. Pray us in so I can catch my breath. Hey, dudes, that was that was 10 minutes of gold right there. That was 10 minutes of gold. Go ahead, Myra. Thank you. Hey, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I ain't some theologian. You understand? I'm a helmet head. I'm a helmet head. I'm a, I'm a stupid football coach. But I can read. And I can think. And I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. And I'm not afraid to question what I've been taught. Go ahead, Myra. Yes, Coach. Good morning, Hado. Uh, the reading today is going to be from Psalm 8, 1 through 4. It is written, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is the name in all the earth, who has set the glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings has mm. thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. Huh? You're going to steal, still quiet, stop, and disempower the enemy and the avenger. 
out of the mouths of babes. That's going. He is so much in control that he's going to do it out of babies. Hallelujah. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. Who do you think you are, Willis? Who do you think you are, Willis? And see, the church is teaching us that we're the, just the most glorious thing to ever come along, and God just can't wait to bless us. And this says, what is man? Who are you, dude? <laughs> who are you that the Lord would even know who you are? What is special about you? What is man that you even know who he is? The son of man. You came and visited us. What's going on? Go ahead, Myra. Yes, coach. Yeah, I, th- I think when I read. <laughs> That's perfect, coach. Thank you for that gift. Thank you, Jesus, for that gift that he gave you. Holy Spirit, you're welcome to coach Dave Haddle, and we open our hearts to you. I release the anointing that breaks the power of evil. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, Myra, the Lord just showed me something. The Lord just said, showed me something. I I did I did really really poorly in geometry. And I did really really poorly in algebra. I did uh, I I did very poorly in concrete facts that were not explained to me. Let me let me say uh, the 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 corresponding angle of an isosceles triangle are congruent. I think I think I learned that uh, 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 something like that. Now, everything was good, except I didn't know what corresponding angles meant. I didn't know what congruent meant. And I didn't know. I didn't, I, I, so when I read those words, it didn't make any sense to me. And so when I tried to figure out, it's like when I get around Steve Deck or I get around Mark Trump or I get around somebody that knows what they're doing with machinery. And they say to me, oh, there's a problem. It's that capacitor is not connected to that kadinky. And if that kadinky was running down through there into that doohitchy, it would all run. And I don't know what any of those things are. You with me? And I'm telling you, that's what's happened to us spiritually. We don't understand any of the equipment. We don't understand any of it. So we go to some some expert pastor, and he tries to explain to us what the equipment is, and he don't even know what the hell it is. How do I know he doesn't know how to? Because he doesn't exercise it. He doesn't know how to. He doesn't know how to tune up the engine. He can talk to you, explain to you how the engine should be tuned, but he can't do it. You don't have to do it. I don't know what's on me, but it feels good. Feels good. Thanks, Myra. Let's get some. Let's get some uh, book work out of the way. Go, go ahead, Mel. Yeah, thanks. Hey, Mr. Producer, if you could go to the Liberty Action Network website, we're going to do one last shout out. <clears throat> excuse me for this current action. Craig has gone back in and simplified the. Um, if you go to actions and then current action, um, and then scroll down to the Amazon part. I just want to show you that he simplified this and um, go down just a little bit more. There you go. So he's given you a way to call, to send an email, or to write a letter. So um, we're going to be changing to a new action next week. So I just wanted to give one last shout out um, for the the tractor supply and the Amazon action. Um, you know, go ahead and do that today or you know before the end of the week, and then we're going to move on to a new action next week. So thanks, you guys. You're doing awesome. Okay, so here's the new action. Look, I'm, Mel, I'm coaching everybody here, okay? Look, look, 
This is an action we're going to do regarding, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it later, okay? But look, we have to, folks, are you listening to me? Are you looking at me? We have to, we have to do point and click ministry. I said what? Point and click ministry. The less thinking we have to do to exercise these actions, the better. Point and click ministry. We need, we need to do that. We're not, very, we're not very good at that. So, like, again, some of you know what the dual capacitor does on the computer, and I don't know what the dual capacitor does on the computer. So it has to be very, very simple. Click. Do it. You with me, friends? You with me? So we're sending letters. We're sending emails. We're doing that kind of stuff. Can I tell you something? My daughter used to work for us. When she graduated from Hillsdale College, she went to work, first of all, at the State House here in Ohio. She got a job as wasn't an intern. She was, I, I can't remember. She worked for one of the state senators. And I, I found something out. You sent a letter to him. She would open the letter. The senator would never see the letter. She would be working off. She'd open the letter. And she'd look at the letter. And she says, oh, that's about this. Are they for it or against it? Okay. They wouldn't even read it. They wouldn't even read it. They would simply mark down for or against. For it or against it. For it or against it. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't read it. They don't read it. They're keeping score. That's all they're doing. And so when they, when it gets down and we try to write these real fancy things to send our, when we're doing it as a group, write these real fancy things, but you're wasting your time. Copy, paste, mail. Copy, paste, send. Copy, paste, send. This is so simple. We've got to become, we got to get better at it. Because we're going to, we're going to do more of this kind of stuff. And uh, we're going to, we're going to begin to, raise, begin to raise heaven. Okay, what else do I want? Okay, you're sitting back. Real quickly, I want to show you this. Uh, pull up courage. Pull up courage. And then I want to talk a little bit. What is that? Oh, yeah. And then I want to talk a little bit about um, what we talked about. I got, I got so much stuff to do. Okay, uh, why are most people cowards? This is 12 minutes. But I'm going to play it at about 1.5 speed, which will mean it will take us about seven. But it's worth it, all right? Can, can I ask you something? Why are most people cowards? Hmm. Hmm. Because most people are cowards, we have obedience in the rise of authoritarianism. Did Mike Leach take the jab? And now he's dead. Why won't anybody ask that? I've been I've been watching this for for uh, forty eight hours, longer than that, since I saw Mike Leach coach Mississippi State. Great guy. Anyway, by the way, sixty one years old, had a heart attack. They resuscitated him with a thing. I knew he was dead. I knew he was a dead man. When you resuscitate, when they use those things and shock you back, and you've been out for maybe who knows? He was out like fifteen minutes. He ain't coming back. I've known that. So I've been watching. I've been watching for anybody anywhere to mention the jab. Anybody anywhere? Do you think, folks, do you think the National Association, uh, they have a name for it, of American college football coaches, don't you think they'd have a little bit of curiosity as to whether or not this vaccine is killing the coaches? Don't you think they would have a little bit of interest in that? Don't you think that those coaches would have a little bit of interest into whether or not these vaccines are killing their players? You think they would have a little bit of interest in that? But why won't they? Hey, anybody know why they won't stick their head up? Anybody know why they won't stick their head up? Whack a mole! Whack a mole! First one sticks his head up. Whack! Stick his head up. Whack! And comes back. Why are most people cowards? 
You mean to tell me that these guys, when they get in the privacy with their coaching staffs, they're not saying, hey, man, do you think could that have been from that jab? Huh? You think he, huh? Do you think the trainers, the football trainers, when they're, they're talking, talking amongst themselves, say, what the hell's going on, man? These guys have something's up here. No, 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 whack them all. They're not going to say anything. If they say anything, they're going to lose their job. Go ahead, Clay, real quickly, then I'll go ahead and play this. Well, I'm just going to answer that question. I think they're cowards because of the, they fear the consequences and repercussions of being brave. They fear the consequences of being brave. Go ahead and play the email. Go ahead and play this. This content is made possible by individuals like you. Become a supporting member and access our growing library of membership courses and videos. Learn more about our membership. Authoritarianism in religion and science, let alone politics, is becoming increasingly accepted. Not particularly because so many people explicitly believe in it, but because they... Stop that! Authoritarianism in religion and science, let alone politics, is becoming increasingly accepted. Somebody say amen. Authoritarianism in religion. Somebody say amen. Go ahead. Amen. Feel themselves individually powerless and anxious. So what else can one do except follow the mass political leader or follow the authority of customs, public opinion, and social expectations? The American psychologist Rollo May wrote these words in 1953, and in the decades that followed, the West tiptoed into tyranny. A mass surveillance state was established. Free speech gave way to increasing levels of censorship. Statist bureaucracy and stifling regulations invaded ever more areas of life, and tax rates reached levels that in the past would have caused a revolution. However, in recent years, this tiptoe into tyranny has turned into a sprint, as some Western countries are flirting with full-blown totalitarian rule. But the existence of power-hungry and psychologically disturbed politicians who desire total control is not what makes our situation particularly precarious, for such individuals exist in all ages. Rather, our troubles lie with the fact that very few people possess the one virtue that can turn the tide back in the direction of freedom, that being the virtue of courage. And as Alexander Solzhenitsyn warned in 1978, a decline in courage may be the most striking feature which an outside observer notices in the West in our days. Should one point out that from ancient times, declining courage has been considered the beginning of the end? In this video, we are going to explore how a hyperconformity and blind obedience has infected the West and, in the process, crowded out the cultivation of courage. We will discuss how a widespread cowardice is permitting the rise of authoritarianism, and how a rebirth of courage is the antidote to our precarious political predicament. The pathological conformity that infects the West is generations in the making and the result of a confluence of factors. It is driven by a value system in which social validation occupies a preeminent position. It is furthered by the use of social media and the fact that success on these platforms is achieved by virtue signaling and conforming to the moral flavors of the day. It is also a product of an education system which deifies the democratic ideal and promotes the rights of the majority over the rights of the individual. These factors, combined with others, has created a society of hyperconformists. And as Rollo May explained, the opposite to courage, in our particular age, is automaton conformity. One of the ways that Western conformity manifests is through a blind obedience and a pathological need to follow rules. Most people believe that to be a good person is to be a compliant person, and to do what one is told by those in positions of political power and their lackeys in the media and celebrity culture. In acting with blind obedience, the conformist fails to differentiate between morality and legality, and so remains willfully ignorant of the fact that government rules can be immoral, driven by corruption, and that sometimes they pave the way for individual and social ruin. Or as Rollo May explains, Our particular problem in the present day is an overwhelming tendency toward conformity. In such times, ethics tend more and more to be identified with obedience. One is good to the extent that one obeys the dictates of society. It is as though the more unquestioning obedience, the better. But what really is ethical about obedience? If one's goal were simple obedience, one could train a dog to fulfill the requirements very well. To see other people exercise independent judgment, self-responsibility, and self-reliance disturbs the conformist's belief in the value of obedience and so threatens their sense of self. It is not the case, therefore, that the conformist obeys while permitting others the freedom to make their own choice. 
Rather, as Stanley Feldman explains in a paper titled Enforcing Conformity, people who value social conformity support the government when it wants to increase its control over social behavior and punish nonconformity. Valuing social conformity increases the motivation for placing restrictions on behavior. The desire for social freedom is now subservient to the enforcement of social norms and rules. Thus, groups will be targeted for repression to the extent that they challenge social conformity. When a majority advocates for the government enforcement of conformity, a society places itself on what the psychologist Irvin Staub called a continuum of destruction. As the government uses coercion and force to punish a non-compliant minority, the majority rationalizes their support of such authoritarian measures by further demonizing the non-compliant, thus leading to increasingly severe government measures. One psychological consequence of harm-doing is further devaluation of victims. People tend to assume that victims have earned their suffering by their actions or character. In several countries in the 20th century, such as the Soviet Union, Turkey, Germany, Cambodia, and China, government measures such as banning certain minority groups from restaurants, pubs, cafes, and other public spaces, imposing curfews, expelling them from their jobs, forcing them to pay fines, and restricting their freedom of movement and assembly, functioned as the first steps on a continuum of destruction that ended in mass scapegoating, mass imprisonment, and mass murder. In his book The Psychology of Good and Evil, Irvin Staub elaborates on the psychological mechanism that facilitates a continuum of destruction. How does harmful behavior become the norm? Doing harm to a good person or passively witnessing it is inconsistent with a feeling of responsibility for the welfare of others and the belief in a just world. Inconsistency troubles us. We minimize it by reducing our concern for the welfare of those we harm or allow to suffer. We devalue them, justify their suffering by their evil nature or by higher ideals. A changed view of the victims, changed attitude toward that suffering, and a changed self-concept result. To counter the continuum of destruction that is a product of too much conformity and too much government force, more people need to act with moral courage. Moral courage entails a willingness to encounter risks so as to defy immoral orders, reject authoritarian government control, and to stand up for the disappearing values of truth, freedom, and justice. And as Rushworth Kidder explains in his book Moral Courage, where there's no danger, there's no courage. Anyone can endure security and well-being. The real challenges arise in the face of hazard. So it is with moral courage, where danger is endured for the sake of an overarching commitment to conscience, principles, or core values. Some acts of moral courage are accompanied by mild risks, such as being ridiculed, insulted, or ostracized. If, for example, we speak out against a status quo belief in the presence of a group of conformists, or if we refuse to adhere to social practices or mandates that are immoral or idiotic, we may lose friends or attract choice words from the obedient, but this is a small price to pay in exchange for doing what we believe is right. For as Rollo May explains, the hallmark of courage in our age of conformity is the capacity to stand on one's own convictions. However, sometimes acts of moral courage are accompanied by more grave risks including but not limited to the loss of employment, physical or financial penalties, imprisonment, or in some cases, even death. Of all the agonizing ethical dilemmas facing humanity, writes Rushworth Kidder, few are more wrenching than the choice between what's right for the world and what's right for you and your family. Carl Jung called the men and women willing to confront great dangers in defiance of tyranny the true leaders of mankind. And to learn about the mindset of one of these leaders, we can turn to the story of Viktor Pestov. In 1967, Pestov was a 20-year-old living in the Soviet Union. His family was well off by Soviet standards, and his mother was a high-ranking member of the KGB. Yet Pestov could not avert his eyes from the boot of tyranny that was crushing society, and so he took a keen interest in political matters. And when Soviet tanks rode into Czechoslovakia and violently stamped out the human rights protest known as the Prague Spring, Pestov told his friend, We must do something about this. Pestov and his brother set up a clandestine group called Free Russia, and he warned those who joined that they would likely be arrested within the year. Yet all agreed that the battle for freedom justified the risk, and so they began publishing pamphlets exposing the lies of the Soviet regime and snuck out in the dead of night to distribute them. The KGB quickly identified the group as a threat, and in 1970, Pestov was arrested. His mother was fired from the KGB and never allowed to work in Russia again, and Pestov was sentenced to five years in a Soviet prison camp. Pestov decided to stand up to the Soviet regime and therein place himself and inadvertently his mother in great danger, because he could not in good conscience sit idly by as a corrupt regime of thousands destroyed the lives of millions. He understood that if he did not stand up for the freedom of others, he could not expect others to stand up for his, and that if nobody did anything, everyone was doomed. And so, he chose to face danger, to fight for freedom and to place a portion of the fate of society on his back. He saw himself as fighting against the malevolent idea that 
Someone will think for you, someone will make decisions for you, and as he explained, a person should be the master of his own fate. In a conversation with Rushworth Kidder, Pestov reflected on the grave dangers he voluntarily faced, and on the five years he spent in prison. I believe I did the right thing, Pestov concluded. I wasn't silent. I was saying and doing what I had to do. There was a very small contribution of mine to the fact that the communists were pushed out of power. Unless more people can muster up the moral courage to renounce conformity in favor of standing up for freedom and for what is right, and at the very least make a small contribution to combating tyranny, Western societies will continue moving towards what Ayn Rand called the stage of the ultimate inversion. Or as she warns, we are fast approaching the stage of the ultimate inversion, the stage where the government is free to do anything it pleases, while the citizens may act only by permission, which is the stage of the darkest periods of human history, the stage of rule by brute force. Mm. Become a supporting member and access our growing library of membership. Oh, there you go. There you go. I'm sorry I played that so fast. I didn't, you know, you can watch it on your own. So put it in the chat so you can watch it later on because that's really, that's really what we're faced with, isn't it? I mean, we can talk all we want to. We can talk all we want to. But the reality of it is some of us are going to have to stand and we probably will not be rewarded for our stand. But that is the only way that you push back against darkness and tyranny and evil is to stand up and face it. And we're Amen. not taught to do that. Folks, we're taught to conform in the church. The church, look at the church and what we went through with the, with the pandemic and the masking and the shutting down of churches. All because of what? We did not want to appear to be troublemakers. They programmed us not to be troublemakers. You go into your church and you question the pastor, you question the elders, they'll be happy that you leave because you are a troublemaker, right? Right? Conformity, conformity, conformity. Fall in line. Do what we tell. It's for the greater good. You see what's going on? See what's going on? And so those of us who stand up and push back, we might go to jail. We might. Look what they're doing to the J6ers. Look at it. What did those guys do? They questioned authority. They said, this is wrong. And then what happened? They locked all those people up. And then what did the rest of us cowards say? Well, they shouldn't have done that. If they wouldn't have done that, they wouldn't be in jail. See, it soothes our own conscience, doesn't it? Oh, I'm sorry they got him. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, who the Browns play today? Hmm? Browns play the Bengals? Really? Right? That's where we are, right? Fall in line. Stand in line. Obey. Obey. By God, the Bible says to obey those people in authority. It says it right there in Romans 13. Obey them. Why are you being such a rabble-rouser, coach? You're just going to get a lot of people in trouble. If we would all just obey and fall in line, it will be for the greater good. It's of the devil. It's of the freaking devil. Come on in, Mel. Well, that happened to me, you remember. So I was pulled over uh, for no good reason. I told them I would not comply. They, they absolutely did not know what to do. They surrounded me with police cars, put me in jail for two days. And... And the bond was set really high. And as you were talking, I'm thinking it was because I said, I will not comply. There you go. Right. They were mad. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to ask you. I'm, look, I'm just, I know the FBI is watching. I know, I don't even know who else is watching. But we better ask ourselves this, folks. You better ask yourself this. 
How long are you going to continue to pay taxes to this evil regime? How long are we going to continue to pay taxes to send it to the Ukraine? How long are you going to continue to work, see inflation continue to skyrocket, and they're killing babies with it? They're promoting every evil agenda with it, and we just comply because why? Well, I don't don't want to go to jail. I don't want them to take my house. Well, then you're already compromised. You're already compromised. Go ahead, Glenn. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Uh, that was, you know, it, it also reminded me this. what this guy did in Russia was the same thing that a group of students did in Germany. There was a group of students called the White Rose. All right. And what they did is they printed pamphlets uh, about, you know, the atrocities of Hitler and and, you know, word spread. But of course, of course, the, the Nazis found out and those students were assassinated. OK, they were jailed and assassinated. It, it reminds me also. Um, of something Thomas Paine said, uh, if you'll permit me. Uh, he said, there are the times that, are tr- that try men's, these are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of men and women. Thomas Paine, December twenty third, seventeen seventy six. Yes, sir. I'm glad that I'm glad he stood too, Glenn. Hey, and by the way, by the way, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, throw out whoever you want to. They they run hell wild all across America. Nobody does anything. But boy, the J sixers show up. <laughs> the J sixers show up, and what do they make sure you do? Uh huh. They not only make they not only lock you up and throw you in jail, they make sure everybody on your team knows you're a bad boy, bad boy, bad boy, and you do the same thing. You're going to end up in jail, bad boy. Well, go be with Antifa. Go with BLM. Burn down Portland. That's all right. huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, go into where they, uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Burn the city down. But Kyle goes through there with a gun and defends himself. Kyle, bad boy. Bad, right? Right? The devil's running things. He's not supposed to be. Bernie. Yeah, yeah. Well, the problem is the people are believing lies. Um, you know, there used to be a game that we played as kids, you know, Simon Says. Well, the game today is Science Says, you know. Science <laughs> says this. Science says that. And they're control the facts. When the whole well, this global warming stuff was going on, I don't know, eight years ago or so, we were there's a group of scientists, like over 39,000 degree scientists signed the, signed the thing, said that global warming was a hoax. Okay, I mean, and a massive number of scientists in our universities were were calling them on the carpet, but they were ignored. All right, they were ignored. And, and well, Bernie, not only they were ignored, it cost them their jobs. Do you understand? Yeah, I know. Uh, it's going to be one voice, folks. Yeah. It's going to be one voice, and it ain't going to be the voice of truth, okay? Science isn't truth. We've learned that from your ball. <laughs> but uh, science is power. Science is power. We don't understand. It's a usurpation of Almighty God. Science has become God. God is no, all power, no. except no, science is all power, right? No, it's what, what you believe is the truth. Because the church they- is bowed to science. Yes, yeah, the word of man over the word of God. Well, here's here's a quick, quick little thing from, from America the Beautiful. 
O beautiful, for heroes proved in liberating strife, who more than self their country loved, and mercy more than life. America, America, may God thy gold refine, till all success be nobleness, and every gain divine. Man, you know, oh, man, we need oh, to man. take that part of our mission. So, okay, it, thank brother. you. God bless you, man. God bless you, Doctor Paul. You know, sometimes people don't realize where we are in medicine, and uh, you know, if, you, if you, anybody knows me for the last twenty-five years, I've been non-compliant, and there are three different occasions of the board. Bad boy, to, Paul. Bad boy. Bad boy. <laughs> They have this thing called a uh, compliance agreement that you have to sign to maintain your license. It's called a compliance agreement. So if you wonder why all these people are being killed, it's because these cowards are giving up comfort or they're giving up the righteousness for comfort. That's all they're doing, these these doctors. And I and if anybody remembers Augusta Landmiser, he was that uh, one citizen in the crowd of Nazis who did not heil Hitler. Um, that is one of the most profound uh, pictures I've ever seen. Just one out of this huge crowd refused to heil Hitler. I'm sure people will remember that. But I guess courage is a funny thing because I think it really comes down to one thing, Coach. They, they don't listen to the Holy Spirit. I, mm. they, you know what's right and wrong, right, Coach? I know what's mm. right and wrong. I mean... So Paul, so Paul, let me let me let me simplify it. I didn't mean that sound uh, condescending. Uh, there's two sides: faith, fear. There are two forces that fight each other, and the only way you overcome fear is through faith. It's the only way that you can overcome it. Amen. You know? And the only Amen. way faith can be destroyed is through fear. It's the only way. So the devil uses fear, and we're supposed to use faith. And what is faith? Faith is doing what is scary, but doing what is right, regardless of how scared you are to do it. See, faith, uh, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the conquering of fear. We'll say it's it again. Gideon's army. It's Gideon's army. Just weed out those those. That's folks. right. And it's not that you're not afraid. It's not that you will not be controlled by uh, fear. You're going to be controlled by truth and justice and righteousness. They trump fear every time. No matter what the consequences are, at least if you go down, you go down standing up rather than dying on your knees. That's the whole American experience. That's what Amen. Yeah? See, we're cowardly. We're cowardly. We're Look, are you looking at me? We're taught in our churches to be cowardly. We're taught to be cowardly. Oh, we talk about faith. Oh, just believe, brother. Just believe. Okay, well, what if I believed? What if I if I just if I just believe abortion will end? Is it going to end? If I just believe it. If I just believe they're going to stop cutting off penises of young children, I just believe it. Is it how, how stupid is that, right? But why are they continuing continuing to cut off the penises of little boys and girls? Because we don't have the courage to go make them stop it. That's why. That's why. They're bullies. The ultimate bully. Ultimate. Come on in, Jack. I don't know how I got going on this, but this is pretty damn good. Go ahead, Jack. Oh, it's good. It's good. Um, The problem is we don't make it personal. We make it corporate. We have to make it personal. I I sent you a, um, a, a YouTube video on Messenger. 
It's I know it's 20 years old. It's Michael Bednarik. It's four minutes long. It's I will not comply. And I've played it for thousands of people. If you want to play it in the after show or whatever, it's really good. It's really personal. It's personal. Well, I'll play right now if I can get it up there. Come on in, Joe Allen. Let me see what I can do here. So, Coach's question is, are you going to stand there and be a stick man with big head full of knowledge, or are you going to stand and get up and act? Well, are you going to stand up and push back or not? Huh? Are you going to stand? See, see it's, it's false virtue. It's false virtue, right? Well, I look. I, I believe abortion is murder, but I'm not, I'm not like a coach. He takes it too far. He takes it too far. I vote sometimes. Go ahead, Silver. Coach, one of the aspects and visualizations that we have within the church is that we're all supposed to be sheep. We're only sheep to our Lord not to our pastor, okay? And until we make that realization, people will not move out of their comfort zones. Once they realize that they are sheep and obeying and honoring and loving only our Lord and that the pastor may not be guiding us properly, if we have any kind of question in our head, we need to move out. The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, Joe. The Lord is my shepherd. Not that, not some six foot icicle. Amen. No, no, no. Are you looking at me? <clears throat> if you need some pastor to direct your life as a grown man, there's something wrong with you. Now your pastor's there to grant you wisdom and help you in certain issues, and I'm not accountability. I, I get that. I get that. But if you got to run everything by your pastor, will you grow up? Will you please grow up? Will you please grow up? Will you stand up and be a man? We're a body. We're not, we're, we're a body. We're divided off with different little heads. They're, they're like pimples on the body. Yeah, this guy's ahead, and 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 this guy's ahead. Because why? Listen to me. Ultimately, it's all about control, even through religion. Sorry, sorry, just telling you the truth. This is the video Jack was talking about. Go ahead and throw it up. I trust Jack enough to play it. Five minutes. Put it at 1.25. Certainly, we can hear it at 1.25. Go ahead. If you think I am radical, let me share with you some thoughts from some of the founding fathers. Thomas Jefferson said, and this country with its institutions belong to the people who, oh, excuse me, Thomas Jefferson, and what country can preserve its liberties if its rulers are not warned from time to time that this people preserve the spirit of resistance? Let them take arms. The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Right? We're talking bloodshed if necessary. Abraham Lincoln This country, with its institutions, belongs to the people who inhabit it. Whenever they shall grow weary of their existing government, they can exercise their constitutional right of amending it or their constitutional right to dismember or overthrow it. 
He also said, we the people are the rightful masters of Congress and the courts, not to overthrow the Constitution, but to overthrow the men who pervert the Constitution. Amen. How do you know the Constitution's been perverted if you haven't read it? Let me give you a little commentary on the Holocaust. The Holocaust is generally deemed to be the worst travesty in human history. Five or six million Jews. I don't know what the, uh, the actual count was, but it was a lot of people. They did a genocide. They tried to wipe out an entire race. Hitler did not take Germany by force. He did not drive in with army tanks. Hitler was elected. Anybody have any idea what the vote count was? What his percentage of the total was? 98% in Austria-Hungary. That's just about everybody. Everybody voted for Hitler because he was going to solve all their economic problems. Did Hitler get elected on Monday and start throwing people into ovens on Friday? No. It was a gradual process. The first thing that Hitler did was start to write newspaper articles. Every, everything that was going wrong was the Jews' fault. They're the ones that caused all of these problems. Did the Jews write their own newspaper articles and go, I disagree? Well, not that I can think of. I've never read any newspaper articles that you know, contradicted any of that. So then the Jews had to wear the Star of David so we can tell who you are. Did they say, no, that's a violation of my property, privacy. I don't have to tell you whether you know, I'm Jewish or not. No. The Jews decided, well, it's a religious symbol. We love God. We should be proud to wear the Star of David. Eventually, the, Jew, the Germans came in and they broke all of the windows in all of the Jewish businesses in one weekend. The, it was Saturday night was known as Kristallnacht, which is German for night of glass. You couldn't walk up and down the sidewalks because they were filled with glass. Did the Jews rise up and say, now, damn it, you're violating my property. You shouldn't do that. No. Gosh, we don't want to make the Germans any madder than they already are. We want to just kind of go along to get along. Don't piss them off. They've got guns. Eventually, the Germans are loading them up in the cattle trailers in the, on the train. Where do you think you're going? On vacation? Where do you think they're going to take you? Well, now you're cold and naked and they're walking you into the ovens where you're going to go to mass execution. Is it time now to raise your hand and say, you know, I tend to disagree with all this. Bang! You're dead. It's too late to complain. You should have complained at the beginning when you at least had a chance. My question to you, and I don't expect you to answer it, just think about it in your head. How bad do things have to get before you do something? Do they have to take away all your property? Do they have to license every activity that you want to engage in? Do they have to be throwing you on cattle cars before you start to say, now wait a minute, I don't think this is a good idea. How long is it going to be before you finally resist and say, no, I will not comply, period? That's a different answer for each person. Ask yourself now, because sooner or later you're going to come to that line. And when they cross it, what are you going to say? Well, okay, cross this line. Okay, now cross that line. Okay, now cross this line. And pretty soon you're in a corner. Sooner or later you've got to draw a line and stand your ground. Whether anybody else does or not. That is what liberty. And so I'm not, uh, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not social distancing. I'm not staying home. I'm not taking a jab. I'm not, 
You got it? You got it? Step one, step two, step three. And ask yourself this. How many churches throughout that whole mess complied? Amen. Julie. Amen, Coach. I just ran into a lady yesterday. Just what you're talking about. She said, I never thought that we would be, um, that they can control us by, you know, all this and that. And I said, well, they didn't control me. And she just kind of looked at me. And she said, the next thing they're going to do is be, you know, putting that chip in your arm. I said, not me. Not me. <laughs> not me. <laughs> not me. They ain't doing it to me. Not doing it to me. <clears throat> man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Pull up, um, uh, which one of these things I want? Somebody come in while I, while I check something out here real quick. Can we put I don't that care last one are. in chat? Yes, Coach. Uh, we're reading, um, uh, we reading Revelation mm. 2.18, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whomongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is which the is second, second death. death. Amen. All cowards, cowards go first, baby. Cowards go first. Hey, uh, real quickly. Well, uh, Brett, just a second, Brett, I'll bring you in here. Get uh, reduced population. Get that up there for me real quick. Go ahead, Brett. Come on in. Hey, Coach. Hey, uh, yep. thank you for uh, giving us the courage with your whistle as a head coach. I'll be standing up outside of a courthouse in Barrow Beach this morning, and uh, the strength of your team – I'm just one player on the team. I'm sick and tired of people not crying out against the abominations in our midst. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Brett. I should have said Pennsylvania, Brett. Pennsylvania, Brett. Come on in. Delay, right? It's a delay. delay. Well, as Pennsylvania, Brett, uh, gets his whistle out of his mouth, I also want to cry out against all those Lucifer-led college athletic directors that forced the shot. Mike Leach, I want an autopsy. We got to demand every death now. We need to demand an autopsy. Did he take the vaccine that was forced on him to keep his job? Nobody will even ask the question. Nobody will even ask that question. We are. Nobody will even ask the question. Paul Webb. Hey, hey, Coach. you know, it's the Mike Leach situation. Think about this. This is the same sports media that uh, accused a basketball player of being anti-Semitic because he reposted a tweet. Unbelievable, so, huh? You got it. You got so, it, man. So it's the same media that won't question anything. Because I'm, I'm here in Oklahoma where he coached and he knew a lot of the, the, the uh, media here in Tulsa or Oklahoma. And a lot of them are saying, oh, so sad, oh, blah, blah. Oh, he had pneumonia. And I'm like, dudes. Did he take the jab? Hey, hey, Paul, if they knew he had died for COVID, would they be telling us, Paul? If they nope. knew he had died from COVID, that would be headlines. Mike Leach dies from COVID. Take the jab. Right? Hey, right. hey, Coach. Coach, I had, I had two uh, fellow employees pass away within the last week, and nothing's ever told about what it was or how they died, just that they passed away. And I say to myself, I took the jab, didn't they? And, you know, just like a lot of people in America, a lot of people that I work with aren't around anymore at my job. But some of it's because they left. But I wonder how many of it's because they took the jab and 
they, you know, so yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, Roger, come on in. Dave, um, yeah. you know, I was thinking what Ohio Brett said is being tired of people sitting back and, uh, it, it is everywhere. Um, it's unfortunate. But I think, Dave, people, when you say, you know, this idea of why do people conform, they don't want to lose what they have, and they think they have a lot, but they don't. And, and, and freedom is taken from them because they're trying to hold on to something. Uh, they're trying to hold on to something that they can't hold on to anyway. <laughs> Nobody stands up, they can't hold on to it. Clay, hang on, I'll get you here in a second. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, pull pull up. Uh, show this video real quick, hey, folks. This is the World Economic Forum. Are you ready? Are you re- are you listening? Do you understand? As we spoke about yesterday, that we are in a war of the two seeds. Go ahead and play that. And we also make the commitment that every year, as we discover and bring to the U.S. or to the uh, Europe or to the world new medicines, automatically those new medicines will be inserted into. Uh, the offer of the portfolio that we will offer into these countries. I think that uh, is really a fulfillment of a dream that we had together with my leadership team when we started in 19. Uh, the first week we met in January of 19 in California and to set up the goals for the next five years. And one of them was by 2023, we will reduce the number of people in the world by 50%. Did you hear that? Stop it. Stop it. 2019, they got together, and their number one goal was to reduce the population by 50%. You just heard it out of their mouth. Go ahead, Clay. When I have conversations with people about these subjects, such as uh, do you think all this tyranny is going to go away, Uh, I generally get two different responses. And one of them is the first response is uh, from some is, is, uh, no, we're going to have to, eventually we're going to have to fight. You mean we can't pray it away? We so can't pray this portion away? The other response uh-huh. that if, if it's not that response, the other one I get is no, somebody's going to do something about it. Eventually somebody's going to do something about it. And then you say, well, yep. are you going to do something about it? And they say, no, well then who's going to do something about it? That's the two responses that I get. Well, Pastor Bill did something about it, and he's in jail. Well, he's not in jail, but they want to put him in jail, right? He did something about it. Better throw his ass in jail. Jeff, come on in. Coach, we're going to run another play next month, so we're working on it. I'll get with you, but we're going to go back. It's about them low image bearers. Yep. Well, that last play was effective. We haven't given ourselves enough credit on that. That last play was effective, and we're going to start running. We're going to start running more of them because if we don't stand up locally, if we don't begin to win battles locally, we ain't going, we ain't going to win. I'm hurrying because I got ain't got much time. Midwest Signworks, I don't know who that is. Come on in. Yeah, Coach, it's RJ. Hey, RJ. I got a comment. Got a comment. First, uh, a quick quote from history: "He who fights and runs away." may live to fight another day, but he who is battle slain can never rise again. And so that raises a question, uh, which uh, Doc said, I think he gave a good answer to the question, you know, how do you know when is your moment to fight? Are you, are you going to be ready when the, when the time is there? That's right. So, so yeah, we've got to be prepared 
and choose our battles wisely. You know something? And, uh, you know something, RJ? I'm not, I'm not making this up. I get in my – I'm not making this up, okay? Every day when uh, when I pull out of my driveway, if I'm going to – wherever I'm going, doesn't matter. Every time I pull out of my driveway, I start down that driveway. You know the first thing I say to myself? I said, you know what? Is this the day I get killed in an accident? Can I, am I going to go around this corner and somebody's going to go left to center and hit me? I'm, I'm, I don't believe for it. Don't get me wrong. But the reality of how how our lives are not in our hands, folks. They are not in our hands. We better realize that. We better move while, we'll be we move and act while we can act. Amen. Go, Brett. Yeah, Brett may put uh, on your seatbelt. Okay. <laughs> I got my seatbelt on. I put my seatbelt on. Go, Brett. Start off with a little addition to what he was saying about the uh, getting up and fight. We, we've got to get up and start the fight. I think he, he broke up there. Yes, we got to get up and start the fight. We got to get in. We got to get engaged in the fight. Hey, I want to do something self-serving here real quickly. Okay, can I do that? Uh, this 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 blew me away because somebody asked me. Uh, well, I'm I'm trying to put together a book of some of my commentaries, and uh, I I don't have I, you know I lost them all. I don't know I don't know how many I wrote. I don't have any. So I got a hold of the guy at News with Views. Can I show you something? This is this is unbelievable. This is this is unbelievable. These are the archives. These are the these are the recent archives. Uh, if you scroll down through this, just scroll down through. These are commentaries that I've written. Look at the date, 16, 16, 16, 2015, 2015, 2014, 2013, 2012, 2012, 2000. 2011, 2000, look at all these things that I've written. Oh, my goodness, 2010, 2009, 2009, 2008. Are you kidding me? What? I read a book out of all these in 2007. 2000. I said, well, God, I started before that, 2006, 2005. To, wow, 2004 churches are spreading mad cow disease. I said, was that the first one I did? Is that the first one I did? And lo and behold, he sends me another link. Go to another link. These are older ones. No, these are the new ones. I'm sorry. The first one, I'll get it back. Go back to the other one. Go back to that other one, Spence. The first one I wrote is churches are spreading mad cow disease. You remember that? Do you remember mad cow disease? That was the first commentary that I ever wrote. And look at that. Look at that. Hey, folks, listen. What we do now will, in fact, reverberate forever. Don't miss the time and where we are and what we can do and the difference that we can make right now. I've been digging and plowing ever since the ACLU came after me in 1997. I've been plowing for all I'm worth, plowing for all I'm worth. Thinking, I don't want you guys out there to think that I'm just some guy that popped up a week and a half ago. I've been doing this since 2004. 20 years every week writing a commentary for almost 20 years. That's a spring chicken. Here's the good news. It's our time now, baby. It's our time now. Arise now. Arise, church. Now. Stand up, church. 
now. Stand up. Be bold. Be unafraid. Be counted. Stand up now, church. This is going to be our greatest hour. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow.